Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Boss Cast. Super excited about today's guest, uh, Coach Christina. Um, for those that listened to my episode one, I talked quite a bit about uh, my own ankle injury, um, some of the things I experienced uh, along my journey uh, in kind of coaching and things like that. Um, Coach Christina and I met at an XPT certification last year, um, thrown by um, uh, Coach PJ Nessler, who she's done some work with. We'll, we'll hear a little bit more about that in the episode. Um, yeah, super excited. Uh, she's a phenomenal coach, awesome person. Um, now kind of become a real close friend of mine. I really super appreciate um, just kind of helping me out with, you know, again, my, my ankle and stuff like that, but she's even like coaching career. And, um, you know, she's given me a lot of pointers on, on stuff like social media marketing and, and, you know, what to post and, and just different things like that. So super excited to, to hear from her. It's going to be a cool little episode. Um, we bring up a few really good points just kind of around training and, uh, and injuries and, and different things like that. So here we go. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are we going this morning? Really well. I actually just finished planning my kin stretch class that's happening today, and I'm really excited about it. And I kind of wish I was taking my own class. <laughs> oh, I'm bummed I can't be there today either. Oh man, I yeah, know, super be... disappointed. Right? <laughs> yeah, it'll be a smaller crew today, but I'm coming. So I'm. I've already decided this is going to have to be a repeat offender class. Because I know my Sunday crew would want to do it too. So I'll get it in then. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So welcome, Coach Christina, to the Boss Cost. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Coach Christina is, uh, guess what? What do you call yourself? Strength conditioning coach, performance coach, mobility coach. Uh, yeah, just um, uh, mobility specialist. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. So <laughs> yeah, uh, this is our second attempt at recording this. We tried yesterday and had a little bit of a technology meltdown, probably my <laughs> Um So why don't we jump straight back in and why don't you tell us your coaching journey kind of all the way back from square one. Yeah, so I actually have been coaching since I was 15 and a half. Uh, I'm 30 now. And it all started when I was teaching karate, actually. So I grew up doing karate. I started when I was five, and I did it until I was 19. And uh, part of the requirement as you get higher in rank is assisting and teaching classes and then eventually teaching classes. Um, sorry if you hear all the dogs barking, by the way. I'm sitting in my backyard, and the neighbor's dogs are going ham. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I had already been – assisting with classes even before that but then uh once I became of legal age in California which was 15 and a half uh my instructor basically said hey get a worker's permit because we want to hire you to actually teach classes um so that's what I did and uh so I've been teaching since then and it was one of those things where you know I actually if you know me now and versus when you knew me back then, you'd be like, that's the same person. Um, but I actually was a pretty shy kid. Um, you know, I had just my own like little tight knit group of friends and I was the kid that just kind of, I showed up, I trained hard and that was about it. I wasn't like super outgoing, never liked really being the center of attention. I just liked to go and train hard and leave. And, uh, so I think because of that, um, you know, I, I always at the time would just try to lead more by example versus like, kind of stepping out and being the person that would run things but uh I had to obviously change that when I started teaching classes um because I was a 15 year old girl teaching 
young kids, anywhere from three years old up. And then I actually was actually teaching adults too, uh, people up into like their fifties. And so it was one of those things that I had to learn how to one, speak up and two communicate well and be able to earn people's respect because, you know, with little ones, if you don't know how to, they're going to run all over you. Um, and it just turns into mayhem quickly if you don't know how to communicate with them um, and kind of keep them engaged. And then with the adults, you know, I can only imagine as, uh, you know, an adult at that point being, you know, even my 40s or 50s or whatever, being taught something by a 15-year-old girl. So because um, even as, as it was, this was like in the early, well, but I started karate in the early 90s. But by this point, I guess it would be like probably early 2000s. Yeah. Um, but there just there weren't a lot of girls in martial arts in general. And so I think that in combination with me teaching, it was like, all right, I really have to know, I got to know my shit and I've got to be able to teach well. And um, yeah, so I did, I taught that for four years, um, taught through my freshman year of undergrad. And uh, at that point, like, I still really enjoyed it. But, um, you know, I, and I learned a lot because we had always had like monthly coaching meetings where we would actually go over different ways to teach groups and different things you should be doing while you're coaching and all that to keep people engaged. But uh, it got to a point where I was like, I was kind of, I felt like I was missing out on kind of the college experience and I was having to go, sorry, that's a really loud motorcycle going by. <laughs> um, I uh, got to a point where it's just kind of, like I said, I was kind of missing out on the college experience and I wanted to get more involved on campus with like clubs and different things. And I was still living at home freshman year, which I immediately had regretted because you know, I kind of just saw what on campus life was like. And so after my freshman year summer, I quit that job and decided to get a work study position uh, at the university I was attending. And they had a really great outdoor program. And I had gone on one of their uh, incoming freshman pre-orientation trips and got pretty heavily involved with them my freshman year. And my spring semester of that year, I was actually nominated to become a trip leader for their program, which was a volunteer program. Um, but there were so many perks, you couldn't really pass it up. Um, wow. So as an undergrad, you would go through an apprenticeship in which they would teach you how to facilitate groups of your peers in the outdoor setting. So doing backpacking, climbing, hiking, surfing, whatever it was. Awesome. As a trip leader, yeah, you had just the freedom like to just say, hey, I want to plan a trip to Big Sur this weekend, uh -huh. or for, you know, three weeks from now. So we were responsible for all the planning that went into that from budgeting to food to advertising and all that jazz and so we would fill our trips and then we would take a group of anywhere from eight to 15 uh, of our colleagues I guess or of our, our classmates out into the wilderness and we'd spend the time out there and so I did that um, for all four years of undergrad and just really loved it um, and so it was teaching and, and coaching in a, just a completely different way from teaching a martial art to just getting people outside and getting people to connect with each other and make some friendships because uh, one of the prereqs of our trips was no technology um, because as we know even now it just is something that's becoming more and more prevalent that people just aren't comfortable going places without their phone so uh, it was one of those things where as the trip leaders we had our phones in case something went wrong and we had a watch to just tell us what time it was instead of having our phone on us. And everyone else left their phones either behind on campus or in the cars. I'm telling you, it is never this loud in my backyard. And every sound possible is happening right now. <laughs> I've had a motorcycle and I got a helicopter going over. Dogs are going crazy. Sorry. Um, but anyway, so 
at that point, um, you know, it was just a really great opportunity for people to get outside and, and make really good connections with people in the outdoors and without technology. So, um, I did that and I was also the intern to the director of that program, you know, uh, so I kind of got to see the opposite side of things as well. But my senior year, uh, the director of our program left to go to a different university. So the guy who was the grad assistant sort of unofficially took over the director position. And then I stepped up from that intern role and kind of took on the duties of the grad assistant, even though I was still a, uh, an undergrad. And so those, both of those positions were open when I left. Um, and so I applied for the grad assistant position. Um, my buddy applied for the director position and we both were hired. So we ended up still working together. And so I did that for another two years, um, which was really awesome. Cause then at that point, you know, I'd been around the program for a lot, quite a long time and, uh, it was still fairly new. And at that point, then I got to teach the undergraduates how to do what it was that I did for the past four years and teach them about group facilitation and, um, you know, mapping and what kind of foods you take on a backpacking trip and how to pack your backpack and like just all of those kind of skills in addition to the group facilitation type stuff. Um, and the highlight for sure for me was uh, a one month long class that happened after spring semester ended and we would take, we would offer um, an abroad, abroad trip. So as a, my first, or my first year, I took, my boss and I took 10 or 13 students to Australia and we went surfing and backpacking and hiking and all kinds of stuff for a month. And then the following year, uh, we took another group to Europe and we went Switzerland, Italy, France, and backpacked toward parts of the Tour de Mont Blanc, which was pretty rad. So um, just having a group of people in another country for that long uh, comes with its perks for sure. And then comes with its challenges, you know, because we have people who maybe just met each other and now they're stuck together for an entire month and they see each other every single day, all day. So um, it's a really fun thing to just kind of see how that group dynamic evolves. Um, so, yeah, so I got to do that as well. And then uh, from there, I actually... If we rewind just a little bit, I actually started jujitsu when like a month after I started grad school and it was kind of funny because immediately I just fell in love with it and that was all I wanted to do, which was really challenging and it's something that, you know, my grad, my grad degree, it was paid for because with the grad assistantship, they took tuition out of my pay before I even got my check. So it was as if I was getting it for free um, right. and I never noticed not to finish. my husband kept, had to keep reminding me of too uh you know it's gonna be worth it like at the end of it you'll have your degree and this and that but all I wanted to do was train jiu-jitsu uh and so I, I was training five six days a week I would train in the morning and then go to work in the afternoon for a few hours and then go to classes at night when I first started to be honest I actually was really excited about just being a student because the group or programming for a class or anything like that, that I, I hadn't been just a student outside of regular schooling for a while. And so it was nice something train and leave. Um, started teaching jujitsu also. 
Um, and it's something that I have to laugh at because I realized, I mean, I realized when I was 15 also that like, I just, I love coaching up to teach. I would just fall into this time warp and next thing I knew four <laughs> hours had gone by and I was like, wait a second, I'm done yeah. for the day. Okay. And so I kind of keep coming back to coaching and, um, yeah, so I coached jujitsu for four years. Um, same thing, kids, adults. Um, I eventually started a, a women's program that I loved, and it actually ended up being one of my favorite classes that I taught. Um, and uh, I doing full time after I finished grad school is I was just trained. I would go to jujitsu in the morning, get some admin work done. I'd go do strength and conditioning in the afternoon. I'd go back to the academy and then coach and train. And that's just what I did day in and day out uh, for four years. And I loved it. I was competing all the time. Um, I was obviously in great shape from training so much. Um, but I got to a point where I thought, you know what? I don't really enjoy doing the admin side of things. Because at that point, I was working as a program director for the school. And so I was handling, you know, like the leads and enrollments and all that kind of stuff too, which was great. And I was good at it, but it wasn't something that I found challenging or that I, or rewarding. I realized very much so that I just loved coaching and that's what I really wanted to be doing. I didn't really give a crap about all the admin stuff. Didn't want to have to kind of deal with that sort of thing in opening my own school or dealing with the politics of a franchise or anything like that. So, um, I ended up quitting <laughs> and, uh, was like, all right, I'm done. I, I just feel like I'm never going to reach my potential of anything doing this kind of work. Um, and so at that point, the guy that I had hired uh, to be my strength conditioning coach for jujitsu, PJ Nestler, I'd been training with him for Shout out to PJ. PJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he's the man. And so, yeah, I'd been training with him for about five years at that point. And I just, I trained with him two to three days a week, every single week for five years. And I just was wow. one of those athletes that I, I didn't miss a training session and I hated missing training. I hated being late. I just loved the training so much. I just was always there and I was always the first one there and I would just work my butt off and I loved <laughs> it. And so actually looking to hire an assistant coach because he had been picked up by another company called XPT Life. Um, shout out to them because they're rad too. Um, and he, he could leave his clients with now and again. And the two people he had been considering didn't work out. And it was one of those things where I thought, you know what? Like I had wanted to go that route and be, and get into the fitness industry a few years prior, but it was something I had received a lot of resistance on, you know, from people just saying, oh, well, that's not what you earned your degree in and, oh, you'll yeah. never make, make enough money doing that or whatever it was. And so I kind of just let it go. But at this point it was like, you know what? I feel like this couldn't be more perfect. I just quit my other job and I really love um, what I do. And like, I know what becoming a strong woman in terms of like physically strong too has done for me as a person. And I just, I wanted to be able to share that. And so I thought, you know what, we were, I was talking with PJ one day and he was like, yeah, I don't think this person's going to work out or this thing's going to happen. And so I said, think myself in my head, like, just say it, Christina, just say it. And so I did, I just said, well, what about me? And he kind of stopped and I was like, really, you really want to do that? And I was like, yeah, man, I do. <laughs> and, uh, probably a good two-hour conversation if I can work something out and bring you in to work with me and you know we'll go from there and 
the gym owner was super receptive to it and was like, hell yeah, man, bring her in. And so PJ was, he told me later, he's like, I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. You know, it makes sense because I'd been training with him for so long. And luckily, if you don't know PJ, um, you should, because he's one of those guys who really gives a shit about what he's doing and how he's doing it and not just being like a mediocre coach or anything or a mediocre person in general. And um, so he was a co- that coach that was spending his weekends studying and learning and trying to become a better coach for his athletes. And so I really kind of landed the jackpot in strength and conditioning coaches starting out. Um, And so I had learned a lot just even as one of his athletes. Um, And I knew the standard that he expected and the level that he worked at. And that's what he said too. He was like, you know what, come to think of it, whenever I would have other coaches cover your group while I was gone, I would tell them, Hey man, if you're coaching, when you're coaching these guys, if you see Christina doing something different, don't correct her because you're probably wrong. (laughs) (laughs) which I had to laugh at because I'm just, I'm super particular and I I love little details and I always have. And I feel like those little details are what make the big difference. Um, So he just, he knew that he could trust me and that I was going to be on time and be a good coach and be invested. And so it just turned into weekly meetings with PJ going over all kinds of different things um, from like a soft skills coaching standpoint to the hard skills of like, how do I program and you know, what do each of those programming schemes mean and different things like that. And so when I started out, I uh, would email him the programs that I would write and he would review them and give me feedback. We'd chat about it. And I got to a point where I just would, I told him one of my programs and he was like, Hey, you know, I know I was, I've been having you send me these, but unless you're going to be doing something drastically different, like you're good. These are solid programs. Like you don't need to send them to me anymore. Obviously if you have questions about anything, you can still ask, but, um, you're good. So at that point I started taking on my own clients in addition to just coaching his or assisting him even while he was around, um, and started coaching. And that was about two years ago, um, that I started doing that. And, uh, not too long after that, probably actually, I want to say a little bit less than And he was probably going to be closing his training business. And he had planned on bringing me with because it was one of those things where he even said, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to have just hired you was like nine months ago and then say, all right, cool. Thanks for the help. I'm going to leave and go do my own thing now, Um, you know, because that's not the kind of person that PJ is. And so um, I just kind of had to decide what direction I wanted to go with coaching. But at that same time, one of his uh, colleagues and mentors, uh, Scott Prohaska, had reached out to him and said, hey, man, you know, what's Christina up to? I'm getting set up at this brand new needing some coaches I want to see you know if that's something that she would want to do and PJ was like hey that actually might work out really well because I'm thinking about closing my business and then maybe she can just come work with you so I met up with Scott and we sat down and had a really good discussion about you know just what our goals were and kind of how we worked as as coaches and people and it seemed like a really good fit so uh not long later over two decades so I started working with him and working with his clients and the clients I had had with PJ came with me uh and I worked with Scott for just about a year and a half and over the course of that time um I ended up 
fi- com- like kind of really just stumbling across uh, this really phenomenal coach and human in Hunter Cook, uh, which most people on Instagram know him as Hunter Fitness. Um, and it's not, I had no idea who he was. Uh, PJ had actually at one point in time when we were just chatting had said, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about going to this FRC certification in September. There's this guy Hunter that I've been trying to link up with and yada, yada. And I had no idea what FRC was, who Hunter was. And I was like, yeah, that's, all right, that's cool. Um, continuing education course for myself and Hunter was there. And I didn't know that's who he was, but the guy that was running that course that weekend had actually used Hunter to come and demonstrate just a body weight overhead squat position. Hunter dropped down into that position. My first thought was, holy shit, that guy moves really well. (laughs) So like effortless and smooth. That's awesome. His movement. And I was like, what is that guy doing? Like, who is this guy? (laughs) And everyone else seemed to know who he was. Like I said, I was still pretty new in the fitness industry. And so a lot of like the bigger names, I just did, I didn't know who they were. And uh, so then I hear like, oh, that guy's name's Hunter. And I thought, I wonder if that's the same guy that PJ was talking about. So I actually text PJ. I said, hey, I think that guy, Hunter, you were talking about is here at this course. He's like, oh, really? You should talk to him. Let him know that I want, I'm trying to link up with him and that I'm considering taking the course and stuff. And um, like I said, I just, I'm one of those that even still, like I can be outgoing and chat and chat it up with people. Like if that's my role for a weekend, you know, if I'm teaching something, I have no problem stepping up, but otherwise I'm not generally the one to kind of initiate conversation or like be the one that's kind of running those things. So I thought I gotta go talk to this guy. Like he seems really intimidating. <laughs> and, uh, luckily I had made an, a connection, uh, in another, uh, now colleague, actually Andrew Serrano, um, works with Hunter and has known Hunter for years and so he he made the introduction and I talked to Hunter I think for all of five minutes uh and then I started following him on his social media and I just was like holy shit this guy is like kind of a big deal what is he doing and he had just launched something called Kinstretch in Long Beach where he works at and I didn't know what it was but I thought you know what this guy seems like he knows something that I don't and I'm curious so I'm gonna go show up to a class so I did enjoyed it it was tough um but I was talking with Hunter afterward and he was asking like oh how did you feel what was that like for you and I had this hip pinch kind of going on for months that I had no had no idea where it came from or what I did and I was having no success in resolving it for myself um and so at that point I was telling Hunter, I was like, yeah, I've had this hip thing kind of going on and I kind of felt it just twingy a little bit during class I don't really know and he said, well, maybe you need a different set of eyes to look at you. And I thought, wait, what? Because I still didn't really know what, what he did. Like, I obviously did the class, but I didn't, I still didn't know what FRC was. I hadn't really looked into it. I was just following him. And uh, so it's something that I kind of took, you know, with a grain of salt and thought, all right, I'll sit on this for a little bit. And would just kind of kept in contact with him over social media. I think I came into another class at one point and uh, I was training. And actually, at one point after a class, Another student was asking me, like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm working I'm out in Costa Mesa and this and that. He's like, oh, there's no one out there near you? And I said, no, I'm not that I know of. I think, like, this is the closest. And apparently Hunter was eavesdropping because um, he was putting his stuff away after class. And he looks up and goes, well, maybe that person is you. <laughs> and I go, wait, what? <laughs> like, we don't even really know each other. Like, what do you mean maybe that person is me? Um, so I just thought that was a really interesting comment. But. Uh, I thought, all right, well, sure. Okay. And so 
eventually I reached out to Hunter and I said, all right, like I was having still no luck with this hip and I'd had kind of shoulder stuff going on because I'd, you know, done Muay Thai for a year or two and just in being submitted repeat, like often and much in jujitsu, I just had kind of some shoulder junk going on. And so I reached out and said, all right, what would it look like to work with you? And Hunter told me, he's like, well, to be honest, you know, I'm not really looking to take on new clients. So I'm actually trying to get rid of some. And I travel a lot teaching these courses. So if I was to bring you on, you'd have to be really flexible and basically kind of fit in where I have other cancellations. And I was just said, hey, that works. You know, let's let's do it. So a few weeks later, uh, he reached out and he said, hey, I have time at this time. Do you want to come? So we set it up and I went in and he did a, an assessment. And ever since then, my world got turned upside down. And now it makes sense. <laughs> And so I, I started working with him and just everything that he started teaching me about the human body and my own body and everything. It just was like, I, I even told him this. I said, Hunter, how does nobody, how does not everyone know about this? Like everyone, every coach, every human, I feel like needs to know this information. This, this shit just makes sense. Um, and he's like, well, you know, that's kind of the goal is to just start spreading it and making good coaches and helping people understand because, you know, our, our injury rates just keep going up. And yeah, yeah, just this, like everyone in the freaking U.S. has got low back pain and is getting the same prescriptions that don't change anything and, you know, whatever else. And so I was training with him and lo and behold, it wasn't any kind of quick fix like, oh, just try this or, oh, just try that. It was no, here's what we're going to do. And then if it doesn't work, I'm going to send you to my manual therapist and this and that but I never even had to get to that point with it because just the work that he taught me fixed my hips um, and my hips have never felt better and you know at the time obviously I was still coaching and I was telling Hunter you know I can't pretend like I don't know this information you know like right. you're alert you've taught me things and how it's it's and going to drastically affect how I coach people and what I do with them um, because I you know number one goal of a coach is do no harm right and so I don't want to be responsible for hurting someone because I'm either ignorant or um, you know just neglecting or whatever and so or negligent so at that point I was training with Hunter for a few months and there that course that PJ originally actually had brought up that he was planning to take in September was coming up and I had already been thinking about taking it but I was training with Hunter one day and he said, hey, you know, I don't know if we've actually ever talked about it, but if you're planning on taking the FRC course, it's almost full. So you should sign up sooner than later, because once it's full, I can't even really get anyone in. Wow. And I was like, "Ooh!" so I literally like that yeah. same day ended up registering for the course. Um, and as of let's see, what's today, the 25th, as of literally a week ago, uh, it's been a Nice. Congrats. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Why, thank you. And you know, like I said, it just, it completely changed everything. I found that I really enjoyed coaching that work far more than, than anything else. And so I really dove into that rabbit hole and I've since taken every course that they offer from a coaching standpoint. And I'm now in the process of taking the, co the, the courses from a manual therapy standpoint, not because I plan on implementing that side of it, but because it's just a wealth of knowledge that I feel is valuable so like it's worth it to just go to learn um Absolutely. and so I actually as of what's actually just about a month ago now I also uh quit my job working for Scott and went out on my own and I'm just doing this FRC work now uh and actually working in the same facility with 
Hunter and with uh, Andrew Serrano, the guy who originally linked me up with Hunter. Um, and it's just been awesome. So now uh, this is what I'm coaching and doing full time. And as of this upcoming weekend, uh, I'll be headed up to San Jose to assist with my first FRC yeah. course. So cheers and applause. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm super psyched on it. You know, it's just something that I've, like I said, over the last year, just spent all of my free time learning about because I kind of had this realization. Like I said, at one point in life, all I cared about was jujitsu, and if anything was getting in the way of jujitsu, I wasn't going to do it. I was like, nope, <laughs> priorities jujitsu, priorities jujitsu, which I still love and I still plan on doing forever. Um, but I had a realization a while back that I was like, if I spend all of my free time just doing jujitsu, that's all I'm ever going to get better at. You know, I'm never going <laughs> to move forward in my career or like make a living for myself or whatever. Like I need to actually kind of cut myself off and spend some nights at home just reading and studying and learning and just kind of absorbing this material. And it's, you know, it's paid off because that's, um, you know, I've reached some some big goals that I had for myself, which I'm really excited about. And like I said, I just love coaching this work. So that's where I'm at now. Absolutely. And that's awesome. And that's kind of, I guess, where a good little segue into how we kind of connected. We met at XPT. For those that don't know, XPT is uh, Extreme Performance Training, which uh, Christina mentioned earlier that PJ's now, he's the, uh, I, I might get the title wrong, but the, the director of it, correct? Yeah, the performance director. Uh-huh. Performance director, that's right. So uh, we actually Christine and I linked up at the XPT. I think we've been following each other just through social media from both, you know, mutually knowing PJ um, just as colleagues. And I think I originally met PJ back in 2015 at the uh, MMA um, SNC clinic that the uh, NSCA put on. Um, And so we kind of linked up and then uh, everybody listened to episode one of the boss cost. I talk a little, uh, quite a bit about my injury and how that kind of like, you know, ruined whatever type of career and pathway and goals and life I was trying to have. Um, which, you know, led me into being obsessed with injuries and management and things like that. And then so from kind of connecting with you and following a lot of this FRC stuff, I think, um, when was it? Like January of this year, correct? When I finally reached out and was yeah. like, yo, let's <laughs> see what this is all about. And so just a little backstory about my experience with FRC. Um, I met a practitioner in Australia about, uh, I'd say maybe three or four years ago now. Uh, and no offense to him, but I just think the way that he was like explaining and coaching it to me just – a lot of it was kind of like not making sense. And I was like, ah, oh, this FRC stuff's kind of weird. I'm just going to kind of move on with my life. And I, I literally hadn't thought about it again until I, you know, kind of crossed paths with you and saw you doing it and seeing the posts and the testimonials and things like that. And then at the time last year, I started playing rugby again, just as I, you know, try to get back in shape. And so I decided to reach out to Christina and, and kind of see about the process and, um, so I guess, yeah, we started in January. You went through the assessment, which uh, I guess will let you explain a little bit more of the process of kind of how it all works. And then we've what, besides the kind stretch class I did with you last week, we've had what, maybe four or five one-on-one sessions this whole I, year? I think so. It really hasn't been that many, no. And so I guess that's the beauty of the FRC and that if you're actually diligent and actually do the work uh, that your coach tells you to do, you're going to have <laughs> tremendous gains. And so now here we are. What, you know, what is it? You said the 25th? Yeah. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, it has been a year, and, and my ankle's almost been completely restructured by this method of training. Um, 
which has been kind of profound for me, you know, cause I've been obsessed with this stuff for over 10 years and, you know, did degrees and research projects and all types of things and injury prevention and, and, and rehab management and all types of stuff. And so to kind of see the changes and now experience it firsthand, I mean, I'm a walking billboard for you and the FRC now. And, you know, I didn't, that was never really my intention, but it's like, yo, this stuff works like a, you know, like a dream. Um, you just got to put in the work. It's not easy. I'm definitely not going to say it, it, it's easy. It's, it's a challenge, but you put in the work and, and you'll get the results. So uh, I guess we'll kind of explain a little bit of your, your coaching aspect on, on how you dealt with me from that kind of initial assessment to where we are now. Sure. So with the FRA, the FRC, the FRC work, um, all of my, new clients start with an assessment um, and that's through the, the system It's called an FRA, just a functional range assessment. Um, but basically just what that means is I take my clients, I teach them their one, a daily routine that they're going to do for the rest of their life. That's going to maintain the health and longevity of their joints and maintain the ranges of motion they currently own. Um, and so that's part of it. And then the other part of it is actually testing each of their joints. And it's something that we like to call the physical physical, right? Because we go to the doctor and like, you know, maybe like they're testing your blood pressure and you're they're doing blood tests or doing this and that, but it like, it's not actually testing anything like physical about your body. Um, and so if you have like a shoulder issue, that's like, Oh, well let's prescribe surgery or like, Oh, you've got a hip thing. Well, maybe eventually you're going to need a hip replacement as opposed to just like changing what those joints are actually capable of doing and solving the problem it's just like oh here's a, a quick fix because i don't know what's happening with it whereas with this assessment i literally go joint by joint i see what your passive range of motion is basically think like how flexible is each joint and then i also test your active range of motion so how whatever movement i just took you through to for i want to see how much of that range you can control so i have you recreate it to show that, okay, this is what my active range of motion is. And I want to see, like, are you crazy flexible, but you have no control over it? You're not strong through that full range of motion? Or on the flip side, like, do you even have enough passive range of motion? Do you have enough movement through each of your joints to be able to do the things it is that you want to do? So thinking just, like, for you playing rugby, um, you're going to need specific ranges of motion that um for your sport thinking of a jiu-jitsu athlete they're maybe going to need more than the next person would or a dancer or a gymnast versus just like an older population person who just wants to wake up in the morning and not feel stiff and like they might hurt themselves if they like step wrong or bend over or whatever um and so i take it from a point of every person in front of me like they're a human first and they're an athlete second absolutely um, and it's one of those things that like, yeah, I want to improve your performance as an athlete, but I'm not going to think just in that short term because eventually that sport is going to end. You're not going to play that sport forever. And then past that, like, are you still going to be able to move and, and feel good in your own body? Or are you going to be broken from playing years of whatever sport it was? So I want to make you a better athlete, but I want to also make you a better human that's going to be able to, to move and feel, move well and feel well in the future. And so uh, with you, you know, you always had, came in with hip stuff and ankle stuff. But, um, <laughs> it's really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole laundry list, right? But it's one of those things that what I like about the assessment is it's it's objective, you know, because as humans, it's really easy for us to bias what it is we're looking for, sometimes without even realizing it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of being able to step back and say, okay, like, 
what does this joint have? How much does it need? And how do I go about implementing some sort of tool now or thought process to improve that? Um, you know, so it's not necessarily like a, an exercise library as opposed to a system of principles that I can apply to any human in front of me to help make them better. Um, and really, I think as a coach, I eventually want to remove myself from the equation. Like even right. with you, like you said, we've seen each other, what, maybe five times this year since January. And yeah. you've made huge gains because you've been dedicated to the work and actually doing it day in and day out, which is fantastic. Um, and so it kind of just goes to show like you, you shouldn't need to rely on someone else to, to fix you. Cause you're not broken. Like that's something I think also maybe needs to change a little bit is like this person in front of you, like, yeah, okay. If you have a broken bone, yes, that's technically broken, but it's not a matter of like, well, my shoulder doesn't really do this. Like I need to fix it. Like you don't really need to fix it. We just need to improve what it is you have so that it's capable of doing what you need it to do. Um, and if I can teach you enough about your own body and how it works and how to either maintain what you've got or improve what you need, like in the areas that you need, I want to give you the tools to do that on your own and okay. then basically write myself out of it. Um, and then obviously, like if you want to come in, like I tell all my clients, like, hey, we're going to do this assessment. I'm going to learn all these things about you. And then I'm going to teach you the work to do on your own. And then past that, like yeah, there's, there's always going to be more I can teach you that we can like further kind of bulletproof those ranges of motion and just make you a monster. But like you have enough knowledge at this point to take care of yourself and you don't need me. I don't want you to have to rely on me. I want you to understand enough about your own body that you can take care of yourself. But if you want to come in and get some really good partner work in, hell yeah, come on in. We can train those hips. We can train your shoulders, your spine, you know, whatever it is and get a really good training stimulus out of it. And we can continue to work together, but you shouldn't need to come and see me unless you really want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's not a matter of like, you know, some, a traditional training standpoint where I might have the same people coming to me two or three times a week for strength training. Um, and instead it's like, I'm teaching you the work you spend what like two weeks or four weeks or six weeks with that information doing that work and when you feel comfortable with it and you want to learn some more come back in I'll teach you some more we'll do some more work um so it's not something that you really need to be going in and seeing someone on the regular for unless you really want to which is cool too mm -hmm, definitely I think you brought up a good point too if we just go back a couple of seconds talking about you know like the language that people use like oh you know, my, my elbow's broken or not elbow, but you know, oh, this is broken or that's broken. Or, you know, people say a lot of like, oh, I've got bad hips. Or I got bad ankles. You probably don't have bad hips or ankles. You just have ankles and hips that you can't control or that you don't know how to use. Exactly. And so I'm constantly trying to change the language that, that clients and athletes use that I work with along the same lines of what you're saying. Like, and, and again, my goal also too is to work with them as little as possible in the rehab aspect so they can kind of move on without me you know so the the less the less they see me the better and so that's why you know you and i were kind of having a loss saying like who's the better client the one that you see the least <laughs> yeah and so that that's where you and i are trying to get to so i'm like all right cool i've got all these gains off to five sessions and i think i think i, I think i messaged you too i had a client that i spoke to one time and we had a real good conversation i told him all right if i was you this is exactly what i would do bang 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 i honestly kind of not forgot about the guy of course but just because you deal with so many clients sometimes like three months later, he sent me a message. He's like, hey, coach, thank you so much for everything. Like everything that you told me worked. I completely changed around my diet and I won my race. Hell so yeah. I was like, wow, that's the best client ever because I only spoke to him one time. Right. Um, and so I think that's a testament to I, I really, you know, you as a coach, which, again, I kind of came across FRC a few years ago and it, it kind of fell on deaf ears. And 
the, the unique way that you explain things just totally makes sense to me. And I think it was the very, very first time, even when we're doing the assessment and the way that you explained like how the joint work and, and the analogy that you gave just, you know, stuck in my head and, and, and just worked. So I think the way that the language that we use around just, I don't know, ourselves, joints totally. and bodies, you don't have a bad body. You've only got one body and it's going to get you from now until, you know, hopefully a, a long and prosperous life. So we got to take care of this, you know, meat carcass that we're walking around in. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. And I think that's definitely the case. You know, I think there's kind of a lot of fear mongering in the industry um, in general with just like, Oh, well, like if you do this, like it's probably, probably because of this and like, you got to fix it. Otherwise you're going to get hurt or otherwise this. And it's like, I don't think that's the answer. You know, I think yeah. being able to tell somebody, Hey, like you're not broken. We just have some things to improve. I'm going to teach you how to do that. And then you can take ownership of yourself and your own body. And we're going to work on it. And we're going to make you feel really good, maybe better than you ever have. Even if you are, you know, 60 years old or, you know, maybe if you were an athlete and now you're feeling like, man, I feel super busted up all the time. I feel stiff. This thing hurts. And it's like, all right, well, let's start working to, to, to manage that, you know. Okay. Um, and I think even in terms of like there's all, so much stuff was like, oh, do this you know, passive intervention or whatever, like, just, just try this and, and see how that goes. And it's like, people get stuck using these kind of passive modalities that, yeah, they feel good in the moment, like foam rolling or, you know, like the, like different uh, Theraguns and that kind of stuff, which, yeah, I'm not going to say they, they don't feel good. They feel great. But is that really creating lot like lasting change? Right. For your Absolutely. Body? You know what I mean? Yep. That's a great point. I think oftentimes I think, uh, maybe just in the industry or coaches, it, 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 we get way too much like, oh, foam rolling is the bee's knees. And then like a couple years later, no, it sucks and it doesn't do anything. It's like, wait, hang on, everybody. Can we all just please realize that all of these things are simply just tools in a toolbox? Yep. You can use one tool a heck of a lot, but you're not going to, you know, you can't screw in a screw with a hammer. So you uh -huh. need a different tool. So, yeah, maybe just using a foam roller or a Theragun or something might work in the initial short term. Maybe like it's great for a quick little warm up before a session. But like you say, what's going to cause lasting change? And so that's why I feel like just coaches in general, which I'm you and I could probably talk about this for two hours as a whole. <laughs> what we need to do to improve the profession as a whole. And I really think that's one of them is, you know, simply just identifying that these things are simply tools in a toolbox, you know, like now I've been around doing this stuff for like 10 years. Now, the amount of certifications and qualifications that I have, it's almost just become pedantic because there's such a long list of them. Some of them, you know, some of the companies don't even exist anymore that I got, you know, like eight or nine years ago. So that's where I think, you know, if there's benefit in something, then take it. Who cares what system it comes from or who created it or whatever? Like, isn't that what we're all here to do at the end of the day? Like you says, do no harm. Right. And that's kind of for me, point blank, simple. And, and, and I guess coming from my perspective, since I did get hurt and then became obsessed with, you know, like set injuries and, and injury management and prevention and all these types of things, it's kind of what got me in into this whole game in the first place. You know, as they say, those who can play, those who can't coach. And we all know what I ended up doing. <laughs> yeah for sure. you know, I, I totally agree with that um like you said with this work it's a matter of like I'm just trying to add more tools to your your toolbox you know I'm never okay. trying to take tools away um mm -hmm. it's like it's just like exactly like you said it's a matter of what you're using and when you're using it and to what purpose like do you really know why you're doing that thing you know and if you yeah, well, have an understanding point. of why then that changes everything and like we should know why we're telling asking someone to do something in particular it's not like a, eh, just this is kind of what i've been told so yeah you should do it too but really have an understanding of like no, no no this is why we're doing it 
so that they can have an understanding and can decide for themselves, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Man. Awesome. Well, Hey, I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. It's a, it's a quite a, quite a story for, for coaching. Um, I think, you know, you can kind of see the, the different, um, how do you say, I guess, experiences that you've had through various different kind of methods of, of coaching, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of all added and assisted to, to where you are now, definitely along the lines of like that, uh, the group management stuff and facilitation like you were talking about from your outdoor experience. I mean, all that kind of stuff's only going to help now when you're in front of groups. And I'm very similar to you, too. I'm, I'm kind of more quiet and reserved and shy, like in my personal life. And then your kind of coaching life, you got to be big and loud and boisterous and confident in, in the, you know, delivering what you're delivering. Cause if you're not delivering it with confidence, as you know, you know, nobody's going to listen at all ever. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. All right. Well, Hey, thanks again for coming on. Anything else? I'll give you the floor while you got it. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? What do you got going on? Um, yeah. What's happening? Kind of give us a lay of the land between now and the end of the year for you. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as of right now, I'm, teaching this uh, work in a group setting through what we call kin stretch classes uh, in Newport beach at a really sweet location. It's at a meditation studio actually called meditate, but it's a MD and then meditate as opposed to M E D. And I teach there on Sundays and Wednesdays. And it's one of those things that I love because it makes the work scalable to everyone. Obviously like this work was designed for a one-on-one setting but in this group scenario, you know, I'm able to give someone a red light, green light of like, hey, if this is how you're feeling, this is good. You're good to keep going. If you run into this kind of pain, this is how you're going to work around that. That way, so everyone who shows up is doing something that's best for their body as opposed to like, hey, this is the position we're getting in and you either do this position or you can't do it and that's it. Um, so it's just very scalable to whoever is attending classes, which I love. Um, and those have been going real well. And then I actually, I do want this work one-on-one in Long Beach. Um, and so I am taking clients too. So if you're kind of at that point in your life, where you're like, man, I just, I can't figure out what the solution is. You know, like I said, I'll tell you the same thing Hunter told me is maybe you need a different set of eyes to look at you. So, you know, as always feel free to reach out. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this upcoming weekend, I've got FRC San Jose, which I'm really excited about. And then awesome. next next month, I'll be assisting with uh, the Kin Stretch course to uh, certify our current coaches to teach this work in a group setting. Uh, and then potentially New York in December, not really sure on that one yet. And, you know, so just working to keep spreading the word to as many people as I can and, and actually helping the person in front of me. So cool. And for all those listening in New Zealand, I got confirmation yesterday that she said, yes, she will come to New Zealand. So we're working (laughs) on that. Probably looking around January, 2020. We'll see what, we'll see what the, uh, what the universe has in store, but yes, we got confirmation. She's down to come down under. (laughs) Hell yeah. I wasn't sure if I was like, yeah, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Maybe I won't say it yet. No, of course. I'm, yeah, I'm, you know me. I put this stuff out there in the universe. I speak it into existence. <laughs> That's very <laughs> I true. I love now, now that it's on the podcast, everybody's going to hear it, so you can't back out now. Or if you do, everybody's going to message you because of the hordes of followers I have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm definitely done. This one than any of them because of all your people, which is awesome. <laughs> nah, <I'm, laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, for sure. That's something, like I said, I just – uh, I'm very lucky to have had really solid coaches practicing this work 
right in my vicinity that I can learn from. And I know not everyone has that where they are in their right. parts of the world. And so Absolutely. if I can get somewhere that doesn't have a lot of coaches yet, I would love to come and, and help out and teach them a little bit more about themselves, you know, so that they can play their sport better and just move without pain and feel good in their own body. What did you call it? A meat, meat, what? Meat a carcass? Meat carcass. Yeah, but it's not dead, right so it shouldn't be a carcass. A meat, <laughs> so like a, a meat suit's like that's a little nicer. There we, there we go. I think a meat suit works better. <laughs> walking around in a meat suit. Um, and oh, we're also going to try to get you into the training lab, too. Um, we're trying to set something up. just didn't work out. So hopefully maybe between now and the end of the year, for people that are around kind of Orange County area, uh, we're in Anaheim, so uh, hoping to get um, some of Christine's expertise in over there as well. So, yeah, we kind of got lots of things coming and, and exciting things coming. So, um, yeah, thanks again, Coach Christina, for coming on. Really appreciate your story and your time and, and of course, your expertise and what you've been able to do for, for me and my ankle and, and just life in general. You know, really, really appreciate that there's people like you out there in the world. So, thank you. Yeah, yeah that, that feeling's mutual for sure, Matt. It's one of those things that I was – you know, I guess we were lucky to connect when we did, and it's been one of those things that I'm, I'm glad to have you in my life, too. So we need more good coaches out there. Absolutely. Uh, you're the best. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thank you again. Um, maybe get you on in a couple months once you've got your courses under your belt and, and teaching all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, exciting right. times. <laughs> Hell, yeah, man. Let's do it. Cool. Thanks all right. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, boss cast. I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Awesome. All righty. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.